Welcome to Greater Alton Church, and uh, it's good to be uh, with you this morning. My name is Tim, and if this is your first time here, we're glad you could be with us uh, and worship with us this morning. I'm sorry, I was, I was, um, I usually pray when I'm behind the stage before I come out, but God was giving me next week's lesson, and so I had to listen. And so I was really working on next week's lesson already. I said, Lord, can I get through this one before we get to next week? And so uh, if you want to know what we're talking about next week, we're going to talk about when life brings on a storm. And we're going to be looking at the shipwreck and the storms that Paul uh, goes through near the end of the book of Acts. We are in the book, uh, in the book of Acts. And um, if you have a bulletin, you can follow along. Uh, you're going to, if you're a first-time guest, we want you to know that just sit back and relax. There are some notes that are in the bulletin. You can follow along and you can fill in the blanks or circle some words if you like. We, we like uh, doing that here. It helps us remember. Speaking of remember, last week... I've already been hearing some things about people doing good things and God blessing that. And, and last week we talked about Dorcas and just being, a, or Tabitha, and just being a person that does good things. God wants to do that. And I thought it was really cool that already many of you started putting that sermon into practice and God blessed your life. And today I hope that uh, you can learn something about telling your side of the story as well. We are in the book of Acts. We're going to be in the book of Acts for three more weeks, and then we're going to be starting a new series from the book of Colossians called Rooted. And so uh, well, that'll be coming up uh, at the first of September. Our discipleship groups and our small groups will be also looking at the book of Colossians on a more personal level and hope you will join us there. I know some groups are already in the book of Colossians, and so you've gotten a little ahead of us, but that's okay. Um, Again, uh, there you'll notice some things that's going on. Uh, we've got a lot of things happening right now. Our kids' ministry is doing Take the Plunge. It's right in the middle of that. And in three weeks, parents, the, the kids' ministry hopes that you will join them and uh, participate in their worship service during the second service and worship with your kids and uh, take the plunge with your kids as well as we learn uh, more about Jesus. And uh, all the lessons uh, in, in this series for our children have a water theme with them. And that's what's been that's what's been going on the last three weeks. And uh, again, parents, I think it's the 25th of August. Uh, we want you to encourage you to join your children uh, and, and take the plunge. They'll be in the great room during our second service. Let's see. We're in the book of Acts. I've mentioned that now three times, I believe. And uh, we're we're looking at all the different people in the book of Acts. You know, the book of Acts has been called the Acts of some of the apostles. It's been called the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, when you read the book of Acts, though, you find that the book of Acts doesn't really cover all 12 of the apostles. It doesn't. In fact, it starts off with only 11. Uh, uh, Judas is gone and he's replaced. But it only mentions some of the, 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 the apostles by name. And then it, but then it also mentions other people in the book of Acts, nameless people, in fact, that went around spreading the, the good news. So the book of Acts is really a continuation. And by the way, it is a continuation of the, the book of Luke. It's a sequel in the book of, of the book of Luke, carrying on the acts of Jesus through his Christians. If there's something you haven't figured out by now, if you're a Christian, God wants to use you and wants to work through you. And he does that by changing you into his likeness and to, and to do the things that Jesus, Jesus would do if he were on the planet today, which he is through every believer. I remember when I had a bracelet that had the what would Jesus do initials. You remember that big deal? You know, and a lot of times we'd, we'd look at that and we would be reminded what would Jesus do to help us to remind us what we should be doing. Well, I want to remind you that as a Christian, you're growing to become this person 
that does the things of Jesus. So the book of Acts is very encouraging for you and I. It helps us learn what would Jesus do because he still wants to do some things. He still wants to teach some things. He still wants to change the world. Now, today we're talking about uh, how to how to tell my side of the story. And you say, that's interesting. You What's, what are you talking about, Tim? Well, we're talking about how do you tell your story? I mean, the book of Acts is cover, is cover to cover of stories from major figures to nameless figures. And, and, and those stories, according to the book of Acts, turned the whole world upside down. And this morning, I want you to know that, that maybe, maybe you're thinking, well, the story, the, the story we're to talk about is the good news, the gospel of what Jesus has done. But I want you to know this morning that the good news includes your story, that his story involves your story. And without you, it's not much of a story, to be quite honest. It really isn't. Uh, This week in my zone meeting, Chris Weiler uh, showed me an object lesson and he brought a pepper, uh, a pepper grinder and put it in the middle of this table. And he said, I showed my group, uh, my small group last week. We talked about this pepper grinder. We talked about all we knew about this pepper grinder, that it was made from walnut. It's got a little crank and you can it pepper comes out when you twist it just right and all this stuff. And then we said, so what good is knowing all about this pepper grinder if we never use it? Powerful. What good is it to know all about Jesus and talk about, well, Jesus is this. He's the son of God. That's good news. He died on the cross. Yeah, and that's true. And I don't want to I'm not trying to minimize that at all, folks. But without it being used in your life, it's just a useless story. It has no power. You say, well, yeah, it does. It's the power of the cross. The power of the cross is only powerful if it's used in your life. And so my side of the story, your side of the story, there's God's side of the story. This is what I did for mankind. And then there's my side of the story. In fact, it's what, in other words, what God has done for me. When you look at in the book of Acts, there's a there's a guy who te- his story is covered three different times in the book of Acts. And we yeah, three different times. And his name was the Apostle Paul. And and he tells his own story in Acts 26. He's 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 been arrested for talking about Christ. He's been arrested and, and for making, they say, making trouble. And so he become he comes before this guy named Festus who's a governor, and Festus listens to him for a while. And then he's brought before a guy named King Agrippa. And he is, by the way, he's Herod Agrippa II, or Herod, uh, yeah, Herod Agrippa II. This guy is the grandson of the Herod, the King Herod that tried to kill Jesus when he was born. And so he, here's the king of Israel at that time, probably the last king in, in this type of family, in this family, and he, and he is listening. He's brought, uh, Apostle Paul is brought before King Agrippa to tell his side of the story. We've heard what the Jews are saying. We've heard what everybody else is saying. So, Paul, what's your side of the story? And if you've got a Bible and you'd like to turn, uh, if you could, turn to Acts 26. And we're going to read this passage today and learn some great things about how to, how to tell your side of the story. We're going to pick it up in verse 1. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. See that? You're you're going to speak for yourself. Here's your side of the story. What's your side of the story, Paul? So Paul motioned with his hand and began his defense. King Agrippa, 
I consider my def- my for- uh, myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all the accusations of the Jews, and especially so because you are well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. He's saying, please listen to me patiently. He knows it, Paul's appearing before a king. You, ever, you guys ever watch Judge Judy? I love watching Judge Judy. I, I can't get enough of Judge Judy. I have a fever for Judge Judy. That's the truth, man. I love watching her. And you know what it's always they'll start off, okay, what's your side of the story? And they'll go, well, Judge, it went like this. And blah, 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 blah. And then they make the mistake of repeating themselves once. And what she do? Ah, I don't want to hear it again. I already heard that. Move on, move on. Quit looking at your notes. Look at me. I can tell a lot about a person the way they look me in the eyes. Are you ever terrified that you're going to get a call someday? We want you to appear on Judge Judy. I wouldn't make it. She'd chew me up and spit me out. I would ask Judge Judy for patience. Paul is asking for patience, King Agrippa. And it's funny because he only what he has to say only lasts three minutes. What a challenge, huh? Challenge today. Help me, Lord. It says, it says, the Jews all know the way I have lived ever since I was a child from the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time and can testify, if they're willing, that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived as a Pharisee. And now it is because of my hope in what God has promised our fathers that I am on trial today. This is the promise our 12 tribes are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. O king, it is because of this hope that the Jews are accusing me. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? In just a couple of weeks, Gary is going to talk about the gospel. And one of the things he's going to talk about is the resurrection. That the resurrection is mentioned in the book of Acts over and over and over again. Why? How often do we talk about the resurrection? Once a year. Take a wild guess when we talk about it. Easter. And yet this was a a regular message in the gospel. Why? Because the power that raised the dead is available to you and I to change our lives. To address any obstacle, problem, even death itself. The power of the resurrection is a hinge pin of the gospel. And it's something we're just now discovering here at Greater Alton. That your problems and God's power are supposed to meet. And you're supposed to walk away different. Praise God. Praise God. Look what he says. Then he goes on. He goes, I too was convinced that I ought to do all that is possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that's just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priest, I put many of the saints in prison. And when they, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time. I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. The synagogue is a Jewish church building. Can you imagine? Here are the Jews having a worship service and some Christians are there. And Paul is interrupting the worship service to drag them out and deal with them. Now, there's a service you wouldn't forget, would you, if you've ever been there for the first time. Are you a first-time guest? Follow Paul outside. Oh, boy. I think I'll pass. He says here, Many times I went to synagogue and another to punish them. I tried to force them to blasphemy in my obsession against them. He says, I'm obsessed with this. In my obsession. That's a passionate man. In my obsession against them. 
because I put I uh, I uh, I tried to uh, force the blessing in my obsession against them. I even went to foreign cities to persecute them. Paul was traveling all over the place to get these guys, hunting them down. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest. About noon, he can remember the time this happened. About noon, O king, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, which would get Paul's attention. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. A goad is a sharp stick, a stick that's got a point on the end, and it's made to make an animal move to get him going. And you try kicking against that, you're going to get hurt. You can't stop this, in other words, Paul. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? He's not saying, who are you, Lord Jesus? He doesn't know who this is. He's saying, who are you, Lord, as a respectful term. Another, I think the King James says it best, who are you, sir? I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness. He goes, I've I've chosen you to be a servant. Listen to that. Servant. By the way, a servant. He's talking about a person that's like on the bottom when you're sawing two logs and two. You're the one that's getting all the sawdust on you. You're a servant. You're serving And he says, and a witness. I've appointed you as somebody to tell my story. To tell my story. That's for every believer, church. God's appointed you to be a witness too. Of what you have seen of me. Notice that he goes, I'm a witness of what you've seen of me. What my life is like. He says, and what I will show you. He says, Jesus is going to show him. How he's going to change his life. And he says, I'm going to be a witness of that. Paul says, I have a front row of that. I'm on the front row to see that. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. There's a powerful Powerful verse. The gospel comes from heaven. It should not be disobeyed. First to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem and all in Judea and all the Gentiles also, I preached that they should repent and turn to God and prove their repentance by their deeds. That is why the Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me. But I have had God's help to this very day. And so I stand here and testify to small and great alike. I'm saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen. You know, Paul didn't have the New Testament. He couldn't say, let's turn to the book of Acts, because he's in it. They had Moses and the prophets. And he says, what I'm telling you is in agreement with it. That this would happen, that the Christ would suffer and at the fir- at a- and as the first to rise from the dead would proclaim light to his own people and to the Gentiles. At this point, Festus interrupted Paul's defense. You're out of your mind, Paul, he shouted. Your great learning is driving you insane. Isn't that interesting? The Apostle Paul, when he was a Jew, and he was killing Christians, and he was opposing Jesus Christ, Festus would have said, that's normal. But because he's a disciple, he says, you're crazy. You can expect people to think you're crazy when you get serious about Jesus. And look what Paul says. I am not insane, most excellent Festus. 
What I'm saying to you is true and reasonable. He says it's true and it makes sense. The king is familiar with these things, and I, I can speak freely to him. I am convinced that none of these have escaped his notice because it was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Then Agrippa said to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? Then Paul replied, short time or long, I pray God, not only you'll, you, you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am. Except for these chains. He's saying, man, these chains suck. I don't want you to have those. But everything else I'd love for you to have. I'd like, to, I'd like you to experience what everything God can do in your life, King. The king arose and with him the governor and Bernice and those sitting with him. Bernice is his wife. They left the room and while talking to one another, they said, this man is not doing anything that deserves death or imprisonment. Agrippa said to Festus, this man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. Paul is telling his side of the story. And when I read this, when I read it without commenting, it took three minutes. His story was only three minutes long. Let me ask you, if you only had a few minutes, he's before a king, doesn't have a lot of patience, and you're with somebody in a situation where you don't have a lot of time, how would you tell your story? If you only had just a few minutes, what would you say? Could you tell your story in three minutes? Look at what the Bible says here in 1 Peter 3. He says, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if you are asked about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. We're called by the Bible to always be ready to talk about this, to tell our side of the story, to be ready to explain it. Can you? Can you explain what Christ means to you and what Christ has done for you in three minutes? Why is it so difficult for us? I know for some of us here, it's very difficult for us to tell our story. Over the years, I've heard people, and I've even experienced these three before. These three, three reasons, I think, are real, and they, they do sometimes make it difficult for us to tell our story. What are they? Well, the first one's fear. We're just scared to tell the story. You ever been in a discussion with somebody? You're talking about the Cardinals or maybe something better like the Packers. Or maybe, maybe you're talking about some, your, favorite, your favorite show and you're, and you're connecting. He's the guy that's a stranger. And you're having connection and you're having a great time. You're getting to know them. And then you bring up church. And it ruins everything. Anybody ever had that happen to them? Me too. Me too. It makes you go, man, I don't know if I want to say anything. You know you need to say something. You want to say something. You're not sure when's the right time. And you're, you're afraid. What are you afraid of? Well, that the circum, of the circumstances. The consequences. Not the circumstances, but the consequences. It'll change everything. I might be rejected. I mean, after all, the Apostle Paul is speaking to a king that could have him executed. A lot is hanging in the balance. I don't want to mess it up. If you're afraid to tell your story this morning, I want you to know you are not alone. For you share the same type of fear that the Apostle Paul 
had in his life. Look at look at what Paul asks the, the church in Ephesus to do. He says, also pray for me that when I speak, God will give me words so that I can tell the secret of the good news without fear. Circle without fear. Notice that Paul says, he says, you know, guys, pray for me. Did Paul struggle with fear? He must have. And if you struggle with, I'm afraid to tell the story. I'm afraid it might, something might, bad might happen to me. I'm afraid it, it might complicate my life if I tell the story. I might be rejected. You're in good company. Number two, another thing that can keep me from telling the story, make it very difficult, is my lack of confidence. More specifically, I just don't have a lot of confidence in my story. I don't think it's that, that good. Let me ask you, are you ashamed to tell your story? Well, ashamed? What do you mean, Tim? Well, are you ashamed of it? Are you embarrassed to tell your story? I know people who say this all the time. I'm not going to tell, I don't want people to know what I did. I'm not going to tell my story, my past. It's just so messed up. I'm so screwed up. And if they hear that, they might run from me. And so I lack this confidence that my story really could do anything. And I make this deal with myself that says, I'm not going to tell my story. And when somebody asks me, no, no, I'm not sharing that. And by the way, this morning, I'm not saying that you should tell your story until you're ready. I want to make that clear to you. Okay, it's, I understand the fear. We all have stuff in our past we're afraid to tell. But you know, there's some things in your story and there's some things in my story, some of those details that touch a person's life. That you have in your own little story that can do wonders in somebody else's life when you're willing to do that. I heard a lady one time say to me, I'll never talk about my past. I'll never talk about this. And it was years later, she finally, in a study, she told her story and it changed everything. The person she was studying with opened up because she did. But there's this lack of confidence. You know, Paul told Timothy, don't be ashamed to tell people about the Lord Jesus. Well, that's about Jesus. Guys, I want to remind you, the gospel, the good news, includes the good news in your life. It includes your story. And sometimes we let our shame, our guilt, oh, I feel so guilty. And by the way, I don't know. I, I wrestle with this as well. And, and guys, I have to remember, the Bible says that the Lord took our shame. Took away our shame. So why are we ashamed of our past? Took away our guilt. Why should we any longer be afraid and ashamed of a past that's been wiped clean, that's, that's been changed. You know, it's great that, isn't it great that his story changes my history? Wipes it off. In fact, I think somewhere it says, those that trust in the Lord will not be put to shame. It says that over and over in the book of Romans. You say, well, that's not my problem, Tim. I'm not, I, I'm not feeling guilt or shame over my you know, over my story. It's more like this. You get these people that come up here and they start sharing their testimony. And it's like lightning flashing and voices from heaven and, you know, storms arising and, you know, raising the dead kind of stuff. And I go, man, that's just so amazing. That's just so spectacular. My story doesn't even compare. Why would anybody want to hear my story? How do I compete with that? 
Well, first of all, I want you to know you don't have to com- you're not to compete with anybody. You don't have to worry about competing with anybody. Your story is yours. And God has given you that story to touch somebody. And so you might feel sometimes like, well, I just thought it's spectacular. You know, I listen to my, my brother's story. Drug addict, messed up, screwed up. And he becomes a Christian and he has no side effects. He has no desire to, to have any drugs. And he goes, Tim, I can't explain it. It's like a miracle. And I go, ah, that's great. What's your story, Tim? Ah, uh, you know, I went to church a lot. I didn't drink, I didn't cuss, I didn't smoke, I didn't go out, didn't chew, I didn't go out with women that do. <laughs> then he showed me some Bible verses and I went, okay, I'm going to stop. And I'll get baptized. Doesn't sound like, pow, 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 kaboom, kaboom. Like, you know, freeze hitting a home run and the fireworks are going off. You know, no, not for me. It's, mm, you can feel that way, can't you? I don't have the drama. I don't have the spectacular. Now, I will say this. Some of you here probably stopped the Lord for some particular reason. And it may have been dramatic. You just don't realize it. Maybe it was a car accident. Maybe it was cancer. Maybe it was a divorce. Maybe it was a financial fall. It could be something like that that makes you start looking. Am I right? You may not see your drama. You may not see the spectacular in that. Of course, who does when that kind of stuff's happening? Oh, boy. I mean, nobody does. But we all have a story. And just because you don't have voices from heaven, I didn't have a voice from heaven. I didn't have lightning. I wasn't blinded for three days. But God did change Tim Gill. And I do have a story. And can I say this to you too? To be honest, most people, most people don't identify with the spectacular stories like that. If that's true... Think about this. If that's true, wouldn't that make, if your story is not so spectacular and crazy, yours worth hearing? Yours worth telling? Because some people, if you start talking about, yeah, I had this angel appear to me, you probably lost them by then. But when you say, yeah, I was hung over over the porcelain altar there, and I said, note to self, i got to stop this. They might go, I've done that. You see, the spectacular is not so much about what God does around me, but what God does in me. That's the spectacular I want you to capture today. Your story is worth hearing. You don't have to embellish it. You don't have to exaggerate it. You don't have to make it crazy. It just needs to be yours. And it makes all the difference. Here's another reason why it's difficult for people to tell a story. And that is, you might say to yourself, I don't have a story. You say, you know, Tim, I'd like to tell my story, but I really don't know if I have one. Why not? Why don't you have a story? I don't really thought about that. You know, I watched America's Got Talent. Some of you watched The Voice. What is it about The Voice? The, The chairs turn around? Is that what excites you? I don't get it. Okay. I watch AGT, and I've, I've been Denise and I watched two episodes last night, and we're watching about this a guy from Kentucky. He's a singer, and he's you know not that good looking, but man, he can sing. 
I serenade my wife all the time in the kitchen when we're making pancakes. And so he sings a song about, you know, pancakes. And everybody goes, wow. And, and, uh, and so he gets on the show. It's, you know, they're at Radio City Music Hall. And they do the background story. The background stories of all these people. And they're and spectacular, aren't they? The stories, these background stories. And you hear about his. And at the very end, it shows his dad. He goes, my dad taught me how to play the guitar when I was a little bitty guy. He taught me the first few chords. And you look at the man as he's watching the video and he starts crying. And Howard Stearns leans over and goes, he's in trouble. He's in trouble. And the guy starts the song and he can't hit the notes. He, has, he just messes it all up. And... Howard Stearns is mean to him. Man, you messed it up. I don't know what to tell you. That was the worst performance of, of the night and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, thank you very much. Huh? You know, I just got all caught up in that video of my father. You know, he taught me them first few chords and I just couldn't take it. He starts getting tearing up. And then the music goes. We go to commercial. Next week goes by. The America has spoken. Here's the, who's going to be in the top four out of 12 entries. Four picked. And he's, he's got a guy, he's standing next to a sword swallower that cuts his stomach and throat as he's doing his act. Okay? And Howard Stern says, the best act of the world. And then you got another person who's doing his thing, you know. And so it comes down, and America's chosen, and the winner is the guy from Kentucky. Howard Stern's like, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. America, what's wrong with you? It was his story. It was his background story. Wasn't wrong with America. They got it. They were touched by not his performance. Listen to me, church. It's not your performance that people get touched by. It's your story. Everybody's got a story. A guy named Neil Gaiman said this one time. He's, he's an author. He said, one thing that you have that nobody else has is you. You are the only one that has your voice, your mind, and your story. So why don't you have a story? If everybody's got one, what could it be? Eh, it could be a couple of things. One is you may have never prepared yourself to tell your story. That could be the first thing. Maybe you're just not prepared. Maybe you've never sat down and thought, how would I tell this story in just a few minutes? What is my story? Or have somebody help you work through that? And maybe the solution is, all you got to do, need to do is just sit down and think, how would I tell, what would I tell people if I only had just a few minutes? Maybe it's just preparing Look what it says here in Colossians 4. Be pleasant and hold their interest when you speak the message. Choose your words carefully and be ready to give answers to anyone who asks questions. What's Paul urging here? Preparation. He's saying be pleasant. Prepare your attitude. Try to find a way to hold the attention of those that speak when you're going to talk about the gospel. And he gives some pointers. Choose those words carefully. You know, your story may be, may, be set, may be told one way to one person and told a little differently to another. That takes preparation. He says, be ready. Be ready for it. Are you prepared? Maybe that's why you don't have much of a story. But there's another reason. And you need to consider this, church. 
If you're a Christian and you don't, you know, I don't know if I really have a story, Tim. This one's pretty serious. It could be that you don't have a story because you haven't changed. You see, change is the hinge pin for your story. And you look back and you go, you know, I really can't, I really haven't changed that much. I remember as a kid learning about seed corn. It goes in as a certain seed, goes through all this process and comes out the same. Well, it's got some chemicals sprayed on, but it's basically the same seed. And, and, and church, you know, sometimes we can go, we can, we can start off and we go through all this stuff, all this Bible study, all this worshiping, all this singing, all this stuff we're doing, and we basically stay the same. We're the same when we're on the golf course. We're the same when we're at a restaurant. We're the same when we get home. No wonder you don't have a story. There's no change. Is that why you don't have a story? I love the story of, of the, the man born blind in John 9. He's, he's born blind, remember, and Jesus walks up to him and, and, he, and he goes, do you want to see? And he goes, yeah, yeah. And he goes, <laughs> Jesus is spitting in the Bible. Not in the Bible, but I mean in the Bible he's spitting, okay? And he's mixing some mud up with his saliva. And he puts it in the guy's eyes, right? And he says, now go wash your eyes out at the pool of Siloam, which means sent. I'm sending you there. Drop my name. Might work, you know? And so he's, of course I'm going to go wash my eyes, you idiot. You put a... He didn't say idiot, but you know what I'm saying. He's, he's... So he goes and he washes his eyes and he can see. His friends go, hey! Aren't you the guy that was blind? He goes, yes, yes, but I can see. Where? How'd that happen? Well, this guy. You're not going to believe this. This guy. He spit on the ground. Huh? He spit on the ground, made some mud, put it in my eyes, told me to wash it out. And look, it worked. Pharisees over here. Huh? What's this? Some guy healed you. You were blind? Yeah. Who did it? Let's see. I don't know. I didn't see him. Let's see. All I heard was a voice and I heard that. Oh, yeah. He said, I'm Jesus. Jesus. Yes. He said, I'm I'm Jesus. And then he put this in my eyes and I watched and I can see, you know, this guy's a sinner, don't you? I love the answer. Here's his story. Here's his side of the story. They ask him, what's your side of the story? And he says, one thing I do know. I don't know if he's a sinner or not, but I know this. I was blind, but now I see. He's saying, something changed in me. And that's what gives his story power. That God had his way with him, and he's different. Now you talk about, what a stark difference. He did point specifically, I was this way, and now I'm this way. Can you point to something specific that God has changed you? Then you've got a story. Now, I want to say to those of you who say, well, Tim, I can't point that well. You've made me really feel you bad today. Okay, well, I want you to know I'm not, that's not my goal. I want to say to you, if you don't have a specific thing you can point to, I've got two things to tell you. One is, you have a story. It's just incomplete. It's just incomplete. You, you're right in the middle of a story. 
And God wants to complete it. And that requires a relationship with Him. He wants you to have this moment where you can say, I was like this, but now I'm like this. Praise God. He wants to change you. He wants you to know that. That's why change is the hinge pin. Orson Welles said it this way, if you want to be happy, want to have a happy ending, it depends, of course, where you end the story. Is that true? If you end the story right now, would it have a happy ending? God wants to finish your story. And he wants to give you an incredible ending of the way it, oh, that's the way it was, but now it's like this. Oh, praise God. That only comes from Jesus Christ. One of the things that Bob said to me this morning, I I can't get it out of my head, was the idea that only Christianity was able to change a man like the Apostle Paul. Wasn't any other religion that did it. Only Jesus. And maybe you've got something stubborn in your life that's just not changing. Jesus can help you with that. If you have a relationship with Him, you, you make Him Lord of your life. You'll have a story. So now what I want to do is I want to get very, very, very practical with the rest of this lesson. And what I want to do is I've selected four people to share their story in three minutes each. And they're out here in the crowd. And what I want to do is I want to, first of all, just I want to talk a little bit about each point and then turn it over to them. How do I, what's the best way to have to make my story. What's the best way to tell my story? And I've taken the acronym BEST, and we've talked about this before, but I want us to look at it, really look at it this morning, church. And, and, and we're just going to look at each one of these. These are the elements that make my story the best. They're the elements that Paul used. The first one is B, and it stands for before. In other words, I talk about, the, I talk about how it was before I became a Christian. When Paul was given the opportunity to tell his side of the story, he started with what it was like before he became a Christian. Look what he says in Acts 26, verse 4. The Jews all know the way I lived ever since I was a child. From the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem. He says, everybody knows how I lived. Paul's got a reputation with some people. He talks about, I lived as a Pharisee. So I was a high profile guy. Everybody knew what I was doing. And notice in verses 9 through 11, he says, I too was convinced he says, you know, I was convinced like you guys. In the past, I was sure that I should do everything I, I should to oppose Jesus. And that's exactly what I did. He says, with the authority of the chief priests. He goes, I put many of those saints in prison. I even put some of them to death. I voted against them. I went into synagogues. I drug them out. I punished them. I tried to force them to, to blasphemy against Jesus. And I was so obsessed with this, so caught up in this, I traveled all over the place. He makes a case. That's the way my life was before. And if you want to tell your story, you start there. You're just honest about it. Open and honest about your past. Open and honest about this is where I've been. Think about the things. Church, what I'm asking you to do, when you're going to tell your story, you prepare your story, think about the things that you used to do that, 
that you thought would bring you happiness and security and how they disappointed you. I've asked Celine if she would share in three minutes her story. Celine? Well, uh, to start out with, we were met back in Arizona, but uh, first of all, our marriage wasn't all that great. It was, it was a mess. And I was always looking for my identity as to who I was. Um, it had to do a lot with my career. I put everything in that. It was very critical and condemning. I'd come home and Gary would clean the whole house and I would find something. Oh, you didn't finish the laundry. And it became the way I operated. And I felt empty. And I was always looking for better, looking for someone to um, encourage me or tell me I was doing a good job. I was working in a man's world and... Uh, was in a situation where there was no way I could be good enough. Um, I had an opportunity, I kept getting invited to come to events uh, for church for this architect I work with. I said, oh great, rub elbows with this guy, you know, maybe it'll help my career. And I found out later, he invited us to progressive dinner and we went, we met all these people we're going to church with, that it was more about... Um, looking at who I was and what I could become. We went. I had a great time. First, really um, standoffish because everybody's asking all these questions. We were playing this game and going from house to house. But next day we went to church. It was great. It was different. Uh, people were warm and friendly. It wasn't the kind of church I grew up with. Uh, we studied the Bible. We became Christians. Um, I have notes here because I won't forget anything. Um, it was what was missing. It took us about two weeks, and we kind of had a little bit of a, a rough time. We found out I had an uncle killed in an automobile accident the week we were studying. My dad was diagnosed with cancer. We were waiting to find out what kind. And Gary actually needed surgery, too. But these people came into my life just when I needed someone. I learned that I could be forgiven, that I could forgive, and that um, now my identity is different. I'm a Christian. I'm not... Uh, working for somebody. I'm not trying to make something of myself. I am who I am. I'm Celine, and I serve God. Thank you, Celine. Did you listen to that? That was just a great way to start it off. She started off with her past and worked her way through the events and how she became a Christian and how it is today. The second thing, E, stands for events. What are you talking about, Tim? Well, I talk about the moments that led me to Christ. If you listen to Celine, she talks about some of those things that affected her. She was invited to a progressive dinner. I haven't done one of those in a long time. We don't do them again. Those are fun. You know, something as simple as a progressive dinner. Sometimes, guys, you know, one of the things I love about Greater Alton is we can find an excuse to get together and eat. We'll always do that. All right? I think that's cool. We ought to, we ought to make some opportunities. Think of some events that can, we can invite our friends to. Include them in it. But I talk about the events that touched me. Look what Paul says. On one of my journeys, he says, I was going to Damascus. He's talking about this event in his life. He says, about noon, O king, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun blazing around me and my companions. He says, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He goes, I'm Jesus who you're persecuting. Because who are, and he says, and he, and he says uh, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. In other words, he just starts talking about, this is what happened to me, King Agrippa. I was confronted by this guy that died and resurrected. 
This is, I was on my way doing my regular thing when I was interrupted by something else. And it changed my life. I've asked Haley Brewer, where's Haley at over here? You, she's going to share her testimony in three minutes. Um, I guess I lived a pretty normal childhood until about 2007. I was 10, 6th grade, and my parents decided to get a divorce in March, and then my, my grandpa passed away in July, and my dad also lost his job in August, so, you know, my brother, me, and him were practically homeless. We uh, lived with my grandma, but um, fast forward a couple years, 2010, and uh, I... My, grandma, not my grandpa, my dad had to get open heart surgery, and it was really hard because me and him were super close, and it was a 50-50 chance that he would live, and, you know, he, he lived, and, you know, it was really tough after that because our relationship just kind of fell apart. You know, he'd say things that just would hurt me and tear me down, and, you know, I believed him, and, you know, back, like, when the divorce and everything happened, I found a really good friend, and we stayed close friends for a while, and then, um, oh, goodness, <laughs> And then, uh, like I said, you know, I turned to self-harm because my dad, you know, just, he just hurt me so much. And, you know, that's the only way I felt like I could get out of it. You know, I did it a couple times, but then I just, I just couldn't do it anymore. You know, something told me to quit, and so I did. And then the guy I met in sixth grade, you know, helped me through everything. We became even closer friends, and, you know, the relationship was different, you know, summer before freshman year because we liked each other. And, you know, I did horrible, disgusting things, you know, to prove to him that I loved him. But, you know, he just, I did things that I'm not proud of, and there, I did things that, you know, I'm still struggling with today, and, you know, we eventually just broke things off because he stood me up, and I just, I just had to get away from it, and that was in October of 2011, and then Mary finally convinced me to come to CrossChat in November, and, you know, it was not a fan when I went, and it was, I saw the love everybody had for each other, and, the, like, how they cared about each other, and I just wanted that for my life, and, the next week, I was asked to study, and I studied with Mary and Kathy Denius, and I was baptized March 14, 2012. And, you know, my life has changed tremendously. I mean, I don't do the things I did before. I still struggle, yeah, but it's not as bad as it was before. And I have amazing brothers and sisters, you know, to hold me accountable and, you know, to help me be a better person, and I'm just so thankful that I said yes. Thank you, Haley. Wow. You're good? Okay. <laughs> she was so nervous, I asked her yesterday to do that. <laughs> I asked for forgiveness. Great testimony, great story. The third one is salvation. Salvation. You're, you're, hearing, you're hearing stuff uh, from these people. What you're going to hear in your story is reference to salvation. In other words... I talk about what I did to be saved. Guys, I can't say it enough. There's so many, so many confusing things out there. People are so confused on how to become a Christian. Every, I mean, there's all kinds of things people claim. I do this, I did this, and that makes me saved. And, and, and uh, you know, um, everything from I pray Jesus in my heart, which you cannot find in the Bible. You really can't find that. And I don't mean to attack anybody here. I used to believe the same thing, that there was a sinner's prayer that made you a Christian. It's not in the Bible. Well, what about confessing Jesus as Lord? The only place I can find anybody confessing Jesus as Lord and being saved is at their baptism. That's Acts 22, verse 16. 
It's at their baptism. But I want you to see that Paul talks about his salvation to some. He doesn't talk about it as much detail to King Agrippa. Uh, he does in Acts 22. But in Acts 26, back it up to Acts 26, Pat. Yeah. Look what he says here. The Lord replied, now get up and stand on your feet. He says, and I, I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you've seen of me and what I will show you. In other words, there's, there's, there's a story going to be unfolding in your life, Paul. And he says, it's not just what has happened to you, but also what you're seeing right now and what will be revealed to you later. And if you read Acts 22, you find a more detailed description of what Paul, what he did. And I think it's up here on the screen. He's told, he's told to go. He goes, what? He goes, really, look at this. What shall I do, Lord? He asked, Paul asks Jesus, who knows how to save people. Would you agree with that? If you want to know how to get saved, ask the guy who did it. That makes sense. And he says, he goes, I asked, what shall I do, Lord? He goes, get up, Lord said, and go to Damascus. There you'll be told all that you've been assigned to do. He goes, you're going to be told what to do. So right now, just go to Damascus. That's what's in front of you. He goes, my companions led me by the hand into Damascus because the brilliance of the light blinded me. A man named Ananias, and we heard about Ananias earlier in this series, came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see him. So Paul was blind for three days. By the way, the Bible says he was praying for those three days. Now, what would you pray about if you were struck blind by God? I don't know. Maybe some things would come across my mind like, I'm sorry. Or, whoa, did I really blow that or what? I didn't know you were really the Son of God. Will you forgive me? I'm sure there were things like that that Paul said. But was he saved? Was his sins washed away? That's the same thing, folks. So then he said, the God of our fathers, and I'm saying this, the God of our fathers has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one, he's talking about Jesus, and to hear words from his mouth. You'll be his witness, there it is again, witness, he's going to tell your story, to all men of what you've seen and heard. Of what you've, it's your story, he's saying, of what you've seen and what you've heard. And now what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized and wash your sins away, calling on his name. How do I call on the name of the Lord? I call on his name by being baptized, by responding to his to his will. Yes, I make him Lord of my life and I'm baptized. That's how you do that. And Paul alludes to that in Acts 26 and he, he gives it in detail in Acts 22. So what do I talk about here? I talk about I talk about what I did to be saved. In other words, I talk about the people maybe I've met or the studies I've been in. You know, I noticed that Haley mentioned studies. Celine mentioned studies. You know, why should we talk about what, you know, the studies, maybe the Bible study we went through? Because people get all heebie-jeebie when it comes to Bible study. What are you going to do to me? What are you going to say? Are you going to show me? And sometimes we need to relax them a little bit by saying, it wasn't really that bad. It was kind of cool. It was not so crazy, you know. And, and there's, you know, it's not, you know, it's not going to be some crazy, you know, possessed person, you know, come out of the Bible and hit me. It's, it's just going to be plain right there in front of us. And and the great thing sometimes when we talk about the studies and the people we are with, when we emphasize, and they showed me this and let me make up my mind. 
He didn't jam it down my throat. I've said this before and I'll still say it again. At Greater Alton, we love you enough to put it in your face, but we won't jam it down your throat. It's up to you if you want it or not. I've asked Cassie Clark to talk about her story in three minutes. Let's see if she can do it. So, sorry. Um, I was born here in Alton, and I had four sisters by my mom and my dad. Um, my mom weren't married, but um, probably when I was six, um, the day before my birthday, my dad told me that I was going to North Dakota to live, and I thought he was kind of joking, like it was just a trip for my birthday, but it wasn't. Um, he said that it was because my mom, who always had a problem with drugs, um, she had a really bad habit of, like, leaving me and my sisters, like, with anybody or just gone. She'd be gone for a couple days. And he had just lost his job of 18 years at Ford, so he really couldn't afford to take care of me. So he sent me to live with my aunt. And so I went with her for a couple days um, over to North Dakota with my three cousins I never really met before. Um... I didn't get along with them, and it wasn't from lack of trying. I just, I never felt like I was their sister. I never felt like I belonged. I missed my sisters, and so I wasn't connected with them. So I never really felt loved by them at all. I remember my aunt telling me she loved me maybe twice. And so the day after eighth grade graduation, like, I thought, I'm going to get to go back to my dad's, and it'll be better, like, I went back to Alton and moved in with my dad for high school, and he was really paranoid and kind of angry and bitter about his life, so it wasn't much better. I was constantly dealing with his cynicism, and so I did. I clinged to this girl in high school that was my friend. It was a really toxic relationship. Um, I was always, you know getting torn down by her, and then she'd build me back up, just tear me back down because she had some of her own insecurities. Um, and I became myself, like, really bitter and angry with everybody. I had the worst potty mouth, and <laughs> I did. And I, um, I remember thinking, like, applying for colleges, like, I'm going to get to go to Mizzou. And as soon as I got that acceptance letter, like, I was gone. And two hours away, I thought it was going to be so much better. Um, spent my time there partying and drinking and crying a lot. And I just remember this really low moment for my life when I was under my bed with a bottle of wine and I was bawling. And I had no idea why. I was just so upset. And, um... Come the end of my freshman year, um, found out I probably wouldn't be able to afford to go back. And so that I was coming back to Alton, and I just remember feeling completely broken. Like, the one thing I thought would make me happy, like, being away wasn't working. My friendships from Alton were gone. I really didn't have anybody. Um, so I took a couple classes at LC, and I met back up with um, Melissa who I knew from high school. Um, she was my section leader um, from band, and I remember thinking she was such a goody two-shoes back in high school, and that I was never going to be friends with her. And her and Heather took me out for my birthday um, for dinner, and I just 
you know, it was so weird. I didn't have any friends, and I thought it was really nice. Um, I remember getting invited to a softball game and thinking, well, yeah, everybody's really nice. It's kind of weird. <laughs> like, everybody's super sweet, which I wasn't used to at all. Um, and I think the refocused retreat on the way there, uh, Rachel and Melissa asked me to study. Um, so I did my first study there and just thinking, well, everybody's it was going pretty fast. I did a couple a week, I think. Um, and I got baptized on September 9th, and I mean, it really did change my whole perspective on everything because I was really unconfident um, in my whole life about everything, really feeling inadequate, and it was so great to feel purposeful in my life and feel love that I had never felt before and joy for the first time ever. So I'm really grateful for that, and it is... Um, I mean, I think I'd hope it's really prominent in my life how God is working in me continuously. So, just grateful for that opportunity. Thank you, Cassie. Are you enjoying hearing these stories? I sure am. T, what's it stand for today? I talk about today, I talk about how it's different today. Like I told you earlier, this is an opportunity to really talk about the changes that I've experienced, the things I've experienced and the changes I've experienced. I, I think of, I talk about what is it like for me today? You know, when Paul talked about what it was like for him on his today, look what he says here in Acts 26. But I have I love it. He has that word, but but I have God's help to this very day. He says, this is what it's like for me today. I was this way in the past. This is how my journey took me to Jesus. This is what I did to be saved. And God has been helping me up to this very day. See, the story is still going on. You don't have to have a perfect story. You don't have to have a perfect story, all neatly per- perfected. It's, it's a process. And it, you know what? Your story, you might find your story even changing and adapting as it goes. He says, but I have had God's help to this very day. And so I stand here and testify. He says, I'm telling you my side of the story to small and great alike. I'm saying nothing beyond. And then he finally mentions scripture. If you've noticed that, he finally starts mentioning scripture. He says, I, what I'm telling you is nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen. That the Christ would suffer and as the first to rise from the dead would proclaim light to his own people and to the Gentiles. He said, this is what it's like for me today. I'm not out killing Christians anymore. It's different. I'm not out trying to oppose what God says. I'm not kicking against the goads anymore. I'm doing the will of God. I'm doing what God wants. And I'm repeating the good news because it became good news in me. See, the, good, the news is only as good as if it's as, as good as it is in me, as in you. And he gives God the credit. He gives God the credit. Now, I've asked Pat, honey, Pat, are you coming out? Where are you at? He's my he's the PowerPoint guy. All right. Pat, share your story. Can you hear me? Yeah. OK, cool. Growing up, um, obviously I have a speech impairment, and 
this really affected my self-confidence a lot growing up. And I always felt like I was less than human a lot of ways. That I didn't really have much part of society. Um, so I found my value in other things. Mostly video games, and that's what I was good at. So I devoted my life to video games pretty much. And, well, I played video games one day with my neighbor, of course. That's what I did. And he out of the blue, he just invited me. Do you want to go to church? Yeah, sure, whatever. So I came. Want to study the Bible? Yeah, sure, whatever. So I studied the Bible. <laughs> and I started to hear about this God, this amazing God who loved me, despite my flaws. I'm like, oh man, I want some of this. And so I went to the studies, and I was really baptized. I wanted this life, I wanted it now. But I tried to baptize, and it was awesome. But part, the part was, this is where I messed up. <laughs> well, you put let go of your life. I was like that guy cleaning out the basement. No, 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 no. Let's not throw that away just yet. I might need that still. It, it, it still has some value. And I ended up getting entangled back in my old life again, walking away from God. And so for about two years, I did my own thing. I dove heavily back in the video game. Now I had this boy. I just couldn't fill it with nothing. I got a girlfriend. That wasn't enough. I got porn, all kinds of porn. That was not enough. I was miserable, I was sad, broken and lonely. And I pretty much reached the end of my ropes. I didn't know what to do anymore. There was nothing really for me to get out of bed for in the morning. I had nothing. And I remember back just thinking, well, I was happy for a few months when I was learning about God and all that. So I came back. And for some reason, the people still loved me. They were still being kind to me. I was still accepted, even though I spent like the last two years doing my own thing, making fun of them, putting them down. I got to know God again. It was awesome. And today, I stay full yesterday. Video games are fun. They're not my life no more. I don't. I'm single right now. I'm okay with that. I have God. In porn, it's really not that appealing no more because I learned what true beauty is these days. It's not the internet. It can't fill that void. And I tried it all. My life right now is a trade up. Even less than God is a trade down. And that's what I know now. I wish I could have learned it sooner though. Thanks, Pat. I'm going to give him time to get his finger ready to push a button. Okay. You know, the Apostle Paul shares his best, his best story. Your best story is yours. It's being honest with your past, talking about it, talking about the events, just being upfront about this is what, it, what led up to finding Christ. This is what I did, and this is what it's like today. And every, guys, I tell you what, today, the today part of your story is probably going to change Again and again and again and again and again. That's what God wants to do. He wants to change more and more and more the things in your life. In fact, when, when uh, you wonder, did this story get anywhere? Well, look what King Agrippa said. He, he asked Paul this question. Do you, 
Do you think you can make me a Christian so quickly? He understood what the story was doing. It was encouraging King Agrippa to consider Jesus. It was encouraging him to think about Christ as the Son of God and look at his life as well. And look what Paul says. Whether it's a short time or long, I pray, God, that not only you, but everyone, every person listening to me today would be saved and be like me. He says, I want you to experience what I'm experiencing. And it just comes from telling your story. What's your life going to what's your life really about? That's what I ask you this morning. What's your story really about? What's it going to be about? A preacher one time was uh, he's in an inner city church and he had several of several students that were going to be um, they're going to graduate and uh, they're going to graduate and go into college and, and annually they would get all the students together and they would say okay we're going to listen to the students they'd have put an open mic out and the students would talk about what they accomplished in high school and where they were going to go to college and what they were going to be and. Everybody, you know, the parents are there. They're so proud to hear their children talk about their future, how bright it is. And normally the preacher would get up every year and he'd say a few kind words and, it, and this thing would be over. But this year was a little different. He stands up and looks at all these kids and he says, I need to tell you something. I want to be honest with, about, about something with you kids. And that is that you're going to die. Every one of you are going to die. Now, you may not think you're going to die. But one day, some people are going to get, you're going to die and they're going to put you in a box and they're going to take you to a cemetery, drop you in a hole, put dirt over your face, and then go back to the church building and have some potato salad. Wow. You could hurt a pin drop. And what he asks them is, he says, that, you know, what I want to ask you to think about is this. When you were born, you were doing all the crying and everybody else was happy. But when you die, are you going to plan on being happy and everybody else bawling? Because that is determined by whether you're after title or a testimony. He says that, you know, this answer depends on whether you want to have a title or testimony. He goes, will they list when they talk about you? Will the story be about all your degrees and all your awards? Or will they talk about what you meant to their lives? Will you leave behind a newspaper column telling people how important you are and were? Or are you going to leave behind crying people who give their testimonies, tell their stories of how they lost their best friend that they ever had. Will they talk about all the boards and all the planning you did and all the things you owned? Or will they talk about the money that you gave away to make a difference? He said, look, there's nothing wrong with titles. Titles are good things to have. But if it ever comes down between choosing of getting a title or giving a testimony, choose giving the testimony. Because Pharaoh had a title, but Moses had a testimony. Nebuchadnezzar had a title, but Daniel 
He gave his testimony. Queen Jezebel, she got her title. But Elijah gave his testimony. Pilate had his title. But Jesus gave his testimony. And King Agrippa had a title. But Paul gave his testimony. I want to say to you this morning, the life you lead, the life I have, is it going to be about making personal history or is it going to be about telling his story? Because that, my friends, is what God's called you and I to do. Is it not... Give ourselves the credit, but give God the credit as we tell our side of the story and touch people's lives. Do you have a story this morning? What's keeping you from talking about it? Are you afraid? Do you think it's not that big a deal? Do you have something to talk about? Maybe it's time to, to let God help you finish your story. You have a card in your bulletin. And for some of us here, it may be simply, you know what, I want God to finish my story by opening up a Bible with somebody and looking at what the Bible has to say. Maybe, maybe it's time for your story to open up a chapter. I need to learn more about this church. I want to know more about this church and how to be a part of it. What a chapter you will open. Maybe it's, you know, Tim, I've, I've got the story, but I'm just afraid. I need, I need, like Paul, prayer so I can tell my story without fear. And that's what you can, you can ask God. Let the, let the team of people we have pray for you to give you the boldness to tell your story. Maybe you just need to prepare your testimony. Maybe you need some help with it. Let somebody help you with it. But church, it's so vital. Each of us here are able to tell our story because it shares good news. We're going to pray uh, and sing a song, giving you time to fill out your cards. And then we're going to sing another song um, and take up those cards as well as our collection today, our weekly contribution. May God bless you to tell your story and change a life. Let's pray.